guys, welcome uh, to our podcast. Uh, this is uh, Helena. Hi, hi everyone. Helena, please state your name and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, uh, I'm Helena. Uh, I'm the founder of a gin, uh, a Chinese gin called Crimson Pangolin Gin. Uh, we started the project about three years ago now. And uh, yeah, like I've, uh, I've been in Shanghai for a while and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a chat today. Sweet. Uh, I'm Calvin. I am originally from Hong Kong, but I've been living in Shanghai for about 18 years now. Uh, in and out, really kind of moved around a lot. Uh, formerly was at Untour Food Tours, so uh, part of my job was to show people around Shanghai and show them hole-in-the-wall uh, Chinese restaurants and just kind of the food and beverage scene around Shanghai. Um, mostly just local as well and just kind of showing people what Shanghai is all about. Cool. That sounds awesome. I've never done a food tour, but like, yeah, it's, it sounds, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. Um, guys, my name's Logan Browse. I have uh, some restaurants in Shanghai, Tacalicious, Logan's Punch. Uh, and this is just basically a conversation we want to have to talk about booze, Shanghai life, uh, Kelvin's weird prison tattoos. <laughs> I mean, generally we want to get to the nitty gritty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get into that uh, in a few drinks, I guess. So, so the idea today, we're structuring our first uh, inaugural pod on the Cosmopolitan. I think everybody knows the Cosmopolitan. It's that uh, drink that Sex and the City skyrocketed to fame. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, that's, that's... I mean, I was... When Sex and the City came out, I was probably about 10 years old. So I didn't get into the show until kind of like I was in my early teens. But mm. I love that show. And I feel like when I kind of became a young adult, like I revisited that show and I was like, okay, like I love this. It's such a great show, it's such an amazing show. And I think definitely like Carrie Bradshaw's character, she reintroduces the Cosmopolitan into like the kind of general drink New mm -hmm. York scene. Even though I think it's a drink maybe from the 1920s, I feel like it might be a kind of speakeasy era so, of drink. So with the Cosmopolitan, it kind of coincides with the 80s. Mm. So there's about three people that are famous for either inventing it or improving on it. With yeah. any drink, it's hard to really say who's who. Uh, and in the footnotes, we could put in uh, this article, like a link for it that I wrote about the Cosmopolitans. Dale DeGroff is famous for doing the orange twist with the flame on the Cosmopolitan. Okay. Uh, now, this was in the 80s at the Four Seasons in, in uh, New York City, and that's why you have this pinkish color. Ah, okay. But another uh, tale I heard was a guy in uh, San Francisco called Neil Murray is famous for making the Cosmopolitan by mistakenly making uh, a vodka daisy, which is vodka, lime, and Cointreau, mm -hmm. and he accidentally put cram uh, uh, yeah, cranberry juice in it. But how would you mistake that? What, you, sometimes what would you, you grab something. Maybe he was on something. Because like, there's not but, a lot. Like Quantro, like I don't know how you could mistake that for cranberry well, juice. No, no, I mean, but like, uh, the Quantro's already in it. Lime juice is in it. Vodka's in it, and then the cranberry is the kicker that gives us the color. Oh, okay. Right, and he might have been making something else. Cause, oh, and then he just made a mistake yeah. and grabbed the cranberry juice. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah okay. I feel like that's how most cocktails yeah. come to be. Yeah. It's just like mistakes or just yeah, like it's mistakes or it's like some kind of like the Negroni, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like there's like there's like some rich like, some rich Duke that some rich Italian Duke or Count. Uh, count, 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 uh, count Negroni. Count Negroni. <laughs> yeah, Count Negroni. Actually, name is Count Negroni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think he owned a hotel, was it? He owned a hotel and there was American service members there yeah. right after World War II. And he wanted an Americano, but he wanted it, like, 
He, he, he wanted, wanted it stronger. stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So, he, didn't, he didn't want any soda water or yeah. anything. He was like, they just switched the soda water for, for, gin. for the gin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's how it was born. Yeah. yeah. I think out of necessity, some cocktails are made are sometimes just, you know, people want to, people see something. Like, if you see when Cosmos came out, this pink drink was super, super popular. Uh, and then, like, as we said, Sex and City just made it go to the stratosphere. Everybody yeah. wanted a Cosmopolitan. Sex in the city or Sex in the city? This is the Mandela that we talked about before. Yeah, it's SATC, Sex, sex and, and the City. Sex and the City, yeah, yeah. See, no, I feel like we were the Sex and the City girls. You definitely would be, like, you could be our Carrie. I mean, I'm more wholesome, so I'd be like Charlotte. You'd be like Charlotte, yeah. I'd definitely be a Charlotte. Samantha, right here. I don't, I don't know anything about Sex and the City. <laughs> 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 You're currently single Kelvin saying that in Shanghai. <laughs> Title of your sex tape, right there, buddy. Right there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean that show because I was working in a nightclub at the time, and everybody started ordering it like, like it was the coolest thing in the world. And it was such mm. a like you get bored, like oh, I've got to make another hundred cosmopolitans. Mm. But I think the thing that people should learn when they see a good cosmopolitan is it shouldn't be very red; it should be a light pink, like blush. a light pink, yeah. Because yeah. normally most cosmos that I see are red. Yeah. And I think that. Um, are Manhattan's also very red? Manhattan's are, but that's going to be because Manhattan is going to be whiskey for for a traditional Manhattan. Mm -hmm. There's whiskey and vermouth, so these are two darker colored right, alcohols, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. bitters. Yeah. Like obviously, there's plays on it, but you're going to have a darker cocktail. And cocktails mm. don't have that many colors. Right? Yeah. It's either brown, clear, you know, red, red. Maybe they've got cur like cur yeah. cur curacao and blue or something. Yeah. But like, yeah. They're they're, they're not yeah. they're, you know like they're not that many colors for cocktails. Yeah. The yeah. garnishes and everything else that go into it that make it a little bit more yeah, yeah, colorful. Yeah. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, for for cosmopolitan, yeah, it should be like a nice pinkish color. Also, in the link in the description, we'll have a recipe for how to make your own cosmopolitan at home with the proper glassware. Mm. I do have a question for you. Yes. So, what, what do you prefer for a Cosmo? Do you prefer like a coupe, or do you prefer like a, a traditional martini, martini glass? I like a coupe because coupes are sexy. Okay. Why, that, why do you think they're sexier than a, than a martini? I think martini glasses are really sexy. Martini glasses are really sexy, oh, but the, that's huh? you being quiet, Calvin. You guys speak oh, louder. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys. Say, just, say yeah. that again. Come on. Calvin's <laughs> just in the background. I like <laughs> Because I, I feel like it, coupes look good and stuff, but I feel like martinis are very sexy. Yeah. Just whenever yeah, I see yeah. a martini glass, I think of like a lady kind of like writhing around in the glass or something. Which is sexy, yes. Yeah, which is very sexy. Um, but I could like, I, I know that there's a lot of guys out there who complain about when they're holding a martini glass, like they're clumsy hands and they just kind of like spill the drink everywhere when they're trying to drink it. So they, so a lot of people do prefer mm. coupes when they're, when they're drinking these types of cocktails, but. Well, the thing about, uh, the thing about a coupe though, also it's, it's a complete myth and a rumor, but a coupe means two, right? Mm. And apparently, I mean, obviously as American, I'm saying it, I'm butchering how to say it. It's probably like coupe. Uh, I think it depends on which language. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because we, so, oh, yeah, we do call it Coupe de Ville, which is the car with two doors, right? Yeah. Right. But so it's based off Mary Antoinette's breast, is the is the rumor. Uh, and so it's, if you look at her glass, yeah. again, she really had small breasts, I guess, A. But B, it's it's a it's a shape like a breast. Yes. And so uh, that's why I said I think it's a sexier thing. Uh, but, okay. like, if you... That's a coupe also, like I said, means two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it would make sense if you shaped yeah. off her breast. They don't there's no real evidence that it's a real thing, it's anecdotal. Mm -hmm. But like it makes it it sells a drink better. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So do we do we feel like the Cosmo is is uh, still kind of like a drink that people will still drink, or is it did kind of like have its time in the early two thousands, or did it die? Well, that's something I was kind of curious about. Do you, like, are there a lot of people that ask for a Cosmo these days? Like, uh, it depends on where you are in the setting, yeah. right? Like, right. if you're in a nightclub, yes, yeah, so you'll get a Cosmo. If you're at, like a cocktail lounge, people look down on the drink. But the beautiful... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because people are like, oh, it's not a fancy drink. It's, you know... But at the time, when people first did that, like, when they made it famous, the original time, uh, cocktails were going through this really bad phase, uh, late 70s, early 80s. You had a fantastic mix of cocaine, Harvey Wallbangers. Yeah. Uh, anything blue was working out. Mm-hmm. Things were on fire. Nothing was fresh. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for us, the, ocean, the concept of, like, cranberry juice being ocean spray, generally... Yeah is like, oh, that's, you know, it's not that fresh, whatever. But back in the day, with fresh lime juice, you know, the cranberry juice, people were like, oh, my God, it's a revelation. Yeah. Right. And, and it really did uh, change the, the way people thought about the Cosmo. Mm-hmm. You know, and then people were like, oh, cocktails are cool again. You know, I could right. have something sexy. I could have something fun. Right. And people wanted to discover the classics again. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, like, was this old modern standard that made a new kind of thing? Oh, that's really interesting. So would you say kind of like around the sort of late 80s, early 90s time, there was this kind of like speakeasy cocktail revival where people started drinking kind of like yeah. maybe maybe Vespers or something like that again and it kind of came back into the kind of cocktail culture? I think for me, I started bartending in 2001 when I turned mm-hmm. 21 and we didn't have like, there's terms like mixologists and stuff, but like in San Francisco, at least, the real thing started with speakeasies and like nerds with suspenders, and they looked like really broke magicians at all right. times. Mm-hmm. That's basically a throwback to how the old bartenders looked 100 years ago. So it was all like a weird cosplay, cosplay thing. Right. Uh, with like that scratchy old tinny music that you listen to mm-hmm. in an old classic cocktail bar. But um, uh, I think, yeah, you started seeing this resurgence, and then you wouldn't see a cosplay anymore because that was so uh, passe. Right. But then Sex and City made it cool again, mm. and now it's kind of out, but like, I always order Cosmopolitan everywhere I go, so I think they're fun to drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm always very fascinated by food and drink trends, because I feel like they have a much longer trend cycle right. than like things like fashion or makeup or, or you know, anything like that. Because like, you know, I'm, I'm in the gin industry, and in the last, I would say, maybe five to six years, there's been a huge gin revival, it's like in England and Europe, and it's yeah. kind of filtering its way out to Asia and into the US now as well. Um, and the last time gin was kind of like a popular drink was probably the 60s or 70s. Right. Yeah. And like even then, it was still, you had like a gin and orange, or it was kind of like your, your dad's drink or your grandma's or your grandpa's drink or something. Like, And my, my grandparents, who are now in their 90s, they tell me about when they first started dating. And my grandma didn't really drink when she met my grandfather, and she, he took her to like a kind of bar or club or something. And he said, oh, what do you want to drink? And she said, oh, gin orange, because it's the only thing that she could think of. It's the first thing that came to her head that she knew that people drank. Yeah. And that was kind of, it was kind of a sort of pre-1950s, pre-1940s kind of like tipple. But now it's kind of come back and it's kind of, it's kind of has new life again. Yeah. And, you know, I think cocktails are really interesting in that way as well, because you know, it kind of came around mm-hmm. in the 1980s, it kind of became a bit passe in the sort of 90s, and then Sex and City kind of, you know, breathed new life into it. Yeah. And then uh, now, yeah. I don't know. I think it's also, like, I think that's part of the interesting thing about being in Shanghai as well, because the cocktail and food beverage cycle in general 
in China is so different compared to everywhere else because mm-hmm. it kicked off so late. Yeah. I think for a while, cocktails were new to people here compared to anywhere else in the world. And I mean, even you were talking about speakeasies and yeah. the cocktail scene reviving in the 80s uh, in the US and well, in the West in general. Whereas in China, speakeasies weren't really a thing until the 2000s. Like one of the first speakeasies I think I could think of was in Hong Kong. Um, this place, Mrs. Pound, is one of the first ones. And they started popping up left and right because the, there's also this like trend effect in China, yeah. right? Because yeah. everyone's into dimping, everyone's into posting their stuff on Weibo and stuff like that. And they like taking trendy photos, which is something that a lot of speakeasies kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, like take advantage of, mm-hmm. where they put in like a really trendy, like cool gimmicky door. It's like, like flask, for example. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I think flask started that, yeah. yeah. Right. But everything's hidden. And there's like, exactly. kind of like a sliding of door or something that you have oh, to kind right. of like, yeah, yeah. But that, I think that initially started bringing people in because they wanted to take photos. But the after effect is people are now getting more and more into cocktails because they're yeah. learning about it by going to these places. But, you know, that's like, what, like a 40-year later kick of a it has cocktail been, but I mean, if you think about it, like in China, the consumer education level on cocktails is through the roof now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago when I came here, it was not. Like, people were drinking blue things on fire. Blue flaming Lamborghinis. Yeah. That was the drink. <laughs> and you go there to the, you go to the club, and everybody's drinking flaming Lamborghinis or bottle service. Mm. Like, I think, uh, according to some studies, like, only 2% of Western alcohol is consumed in China. And the big stuff is still the Baijiu. Baijiu yeah. is still... Oh, Baijiu. Yeah. Baijiu is, like, a tower. And then whiskey is, like, Yeah, a house it's baby steps. Yeah, yeah, and even... And I think of whiskey as a very popular spirit in China. Like right. I, a yeah. lot of Chinese people, like, they love whiskey, they love drinking it, they love Japanese, they love Scotch, they love American whiskey, they love all this type of stuff. But like, um, yeah, when it comes to gin and vodka, it's like minuscule mm-hmm. compared to compared yeah. to Baijiu and Wangzhou. And yeah, and Baijiu, I mean, it's so cra- crazy because like, as an American coming here, learning like the, the number one selling beer in the world is like snow beer or something. Yeah, it's but, snow. And it like. Destroys and people don't know because it's not outside of China. Right. So in China, when we see our trends, we're in like this weird microcosm vacuum. Uh, that was all my buzzwords that I knew, by the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like this weird vacuum of everything that is, and like you'll see one one uh, speakeasy like Flask, like we said. Right. You saw something cool in Hong Kong, comes to Shanghai, then everybody does it, and then it was kind of boring for a while. Yeah. Because everybody kind of evolves, I feel. Yeah. Because like. There's hope in Sesame now down in, uh, for a while, down, down in Guangzhou. Right. But they kind of took it to the next level where, like, you have to walk through a noodle shop yeah. to get to to get to their front door. And that was just, like, that's just, like, a whole other thing, you know, because I've been to speakeasies in, like, you know, tier two cities and stuff, and it's like, yeah, the door's hidden, but it's still kind of obvious. There's yeah. a bar, and you just kind of slide it, and then you walk in. But, you know, there's, there's other things that are, like, super hidden. Yeah. Well, people are getting better, and the, the, our, our guests are really educated. Before, it wasn't, give me the most expensive thing on the menu. Right. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Now, it's like, oh, I've had this whiskey before. I like it like this, or I don't like it like this. Yeah. Or I, I know this gin is from China. I'm going to try it. I don't need to have it with, like, juice. I'll have it with this tonic, or I'll try it in a martini, or a sa- whatever it is to make something interesting with it. Yeah. So I, I think uh, we, we're very fortunate that we live in a time, like a golden age of cocktails. Yeah. It's only getting better. Because for a while it was about 
being flashy, right? You were talking about how vodka isn't really that common here. I think the only time they ordered it was table service at a club where they want a bottle of Grey Goose. And yeah, it was more Grey of like a flex yeah, yeah. where they like hold yeah. a bottle of Grey Goose. But now they like want it in a cocktail and yeah, just more educated over Well, I think also cocktails. like gone is the day of the reckless opulence of Shanghai. And how do I mean that? I mean like when I worked at Mint, which would be 2012, it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I didn't serve you there either, did I? <laughs> so, guys listening at home, there's a lot of bars I didn't serve Kelvin at because he was too young. Yeah. Uh, now he's now he's a man. Have you heard this story? Uh, I'll wait to hear it. When I was when I was in high school, Logan was already bartending at Muse. And oh, and you were at high school in Shanghai. When, when I was in high school here, uh, oh. I was going to Shanghai American School. Oh, and dude. Okay. Back in the day, like. Uh, even now, like international school students in Shanghai, they go out pretty young. And I went up to Logan, I remember, because he was like the one foreign guy behind the bar. And I asked for probably something stupid. It was like a vodka Sprite or something like that. And he was just like, nope. Kids order their drinks over there. And he pointed me on the other side of the bar. He was basically like, fuck off. <laughs> Did you know each other at that point? Not at all, no. Wow. I scarred him that much that he still remembers. <laughs> Power of being a bartender, guys listening at home. Power of being a bartender. But, uh, <laughs> good times. Yeah. But if you see his photos, we'll post a picture in the in the links uh, of all of us. Uh, you'll see Kevin, you, you would say no to him. Yeah. You would also yeah, say yeah. no to him. <laughs> no, because I showed him a photo of me bartending at a club that same year. I was 16 at the time. And when you asked like it to say yeah yeah so okay. i was they were so actually it's it's really funny so back in the day in shanghai um basically there was this one guy called alex huang and what he did was um he started several companies under like different promotion names and he found random kids from international schools different international schools and they would put them together and he'd be like you're now Dub and Ting, and you are now Shanghai's very own. And he'd be like, your job is to promote events at clubs. So you would each invite kids from your international school to this okay. event. Okay. And so we were like, I mean, we were like 15, 16, and we were like, this is awesome. And so he would choose a club for us, and all we had to do was come up with a theme, make a poster, put it on Facebook, and just invite people. And it was a 100 quiet open bar. And, and the, this was everywhere over Shanghai too. Yeah. Every nightclub did this. Yeah. And like on those nights, I guess like people that were older than high school or even college would know not to go to these places. Mm. Um, and so we would invite all these kids. We were like 300 something like kids. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. We'd give you guys all the... So the way a nightclub works in China, uh, we had to have bodies in there to drink the stuff. And also it just looks better. Yeah. Like any restaurant, we want to look busy or a bar. We want to yeah. look busy, so we keep everybody in the same area. We bring all these children in. Uh, <laughs> and basically, it sounds so terrible. <laughs> but basically, you have a contract. If it's a, in this, I can only speak for, for Shanghai, but you have a contract. Let's say my contract was with Kettle One, which it was. We had to do something uh, like 100 bottles a night of Kettle One. Right. If we didn't sell that, they had spent so much money and given us enough money that 
if we didn't sell it, we had to pour it down yeah. the drain. And somebody would that's come. Well, we would. We'd always. That's why we had the children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and the deal for us was literally a hundred quiet all year yeah. drink, and none of us knew what anything was. Like, people would be like, "Oh, can I get a rum and Sprite or something like that?" And like, they would just choose like. They'd be like random alcohol that I know. Right. Random mix that I know. Yeah. yeah. Which gonna jam and just put it and together, and then yeah, like yeah. everyone would show up. And the deal for us as promoters was he would be like, all right, so this is the deal. Uh, you bring in 100 people, you get 10% of what we make from the night, like between all of you. You bring in 150, 15%, 200, and, and so on. So we would just literally just mass, like, but he also pitted us against each other. He would put like one company's event the week after ours and kid, like certain kids could only go out like once a month. So we'd be like, no, we have to get all of them here this week yeah, so yeah. they can't go to the one next week. But it was all owned by the same guy. And I don't even know how legally registered these companies were. It was just, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't do any, any part of that. I, <laughs> I, I don't even serve you. Yeah, you, were, you were turning me down. For, I wasn't even serving you. But yeah, no, we ha I remember those nights. We'd have all those people and they'd be like, but you, you'd have this crowd of young children on one side of, and then you'd have like everybody else buying bottles and going absolutely ape shit crazy. Uh, but you had that because it was a party vibe. Yeah. These children were having like drink coupons, like 10 drinks for 100 quai or whatever it was. Yeah. Or like model nights at certain nightclubs. And it'd be like the models were all like 15 year old Russian girls from like Eastern, Eastern <laughs> Siberia that never wore pants before. <laughs> This was the this was the wild wild. It was east. the wild. It was, it like, was the wild wild east. Yeah, 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 yeah. wild wild east like meets Miami at the same yeah. time in the eighties because it was all neon and like like all these Russian girls always ordered like uh, vodka and cherry juice or vodka strawberry juice and we'd be like fucking strawberry juice. Yeah, child. Yeah, a child. I don't know. It's a child. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just strawberry juice with vodka in it. But like, yeah, you. Ha I mean, that was the crazy thing. I was the opulence of Shanghai at the time. Like yeah. a table. Would watch you guys all partying, like, oh, this is a cool club. Let me open 100 bottles of Dom. You know, or let me open 200 bottles of Dom. And that would happen to me a lot. Or yeah. we had these child sized bottles of cognac, the Hennessy thing on rockers. Yeah. And those were, you know, uh, 3.5 liters minimum. Um, and just be, you know, poured on this rocker thing, and mm. people would just be going nuts for it. Uh, it was. So that's what you mean by the opulent, or yeah. by the opulence. It was just kind of like blind opulence, kind of yeah. nouveau riche type of, yeah. you know, like type of, uh, type of, you know, just new money. Yeah, it was new yeah. money. It was new money. Yeah. Like we had a credit card machine. I learned that uh, if somebody wants to spend a million RMB, they have only can ring up to five hundred thousand at a time on per swipe. So you learn that kind of stuff. So it was very interesting. This is kind of before WeChat Alipay money. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah. because wow, yeah, because. My, I, I, I came here in 2013 and WeChat Pay didn't exist. I don't think it actually ever existed until like maybe 2015. Yeah, I don't know. I was gone. Yeah. 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 That's when you're doing hard time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet. your first bid. <laughs> well, it wasn't me. It was this guy and yeah. uh, Kevin. Skip man. Yeah, skip man. <laughs> No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, at that, back in that, those times, that's before... We had different leadership in the country as well. Mm -hmm. We had big mergers yep. after that. So it really was a big thing. Because you have all these guys, like, in Lambos and Ferraris show up, and, like, it was out of control. Like, and just the money you'd make at a nightclub at night would 
be just stupid. So what changed? Uh, The laws. The the laws definitely changed. (laughs) I just feel like things just cracked down. Yeah. Like, overnight. All all the tigers got caught, basically. That's like the saying. Something about all the tigers Mm -hmm. didn't put back in because somebody... Yeah, said it. I'm not saying names. Okay. And then it stopped. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing you saw about Shanghai. And so when people weren't going big, they started going for smaller boutique bars, yeah, cocktail lounges, and people were like, oh well, I can enjoy myself. I'm not like get throwing up drunk and passing out in the park. You know? Like, yeah. It's like I can I can drink for pleasure and yeah. not have to like you know, peel myself off the pavement. Exactly. Yeah. Saying, yeah. I mean, have fun yeah. with all my friends. The same kind of thing, yeah. but not like 50 bottles tonight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And that, and that changed, that helped our, our, our cocktail education because there weren't cocktail lounges and now Shanghai were very fortunate and China now is, yeah. is chock full of them. You've been everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I travel a lot with the, with the brand and, um, you know, I, I, last year, 2020, I went a lot to uh, the West. So I went to Chongqing, Chengdu, Xi'an, and I was really impressed with the cocktail scene there. Like, very, very impressed. I mean, there's very talented bartenders all over China and they, you know, they know their stuff. They have their techniques. Like you know, they learn. From, they learn a lot from the Japanese as well, right. and they also kind of develop their own, their own, uh, you know, their own twists and techniques and turns and everything. And, you know, I, I find traveling really interesting when I'm, you know, when I'm kind of like you know touring and everything. Because I just, I, you know, I feel like every bartender has their own personality and their yeah. own flair and everything. And, you know, it's, uh, it's so interesting to to see the evolution, you know, of, of how that's happened. But um. Yeah, I'm really impressed with the bars now. Like it's outside of Shanghai too. It's you no, know, it's yeah, came it's, up. Like yeah. when I first moved here, Diageo had this worldwide competition called Diageo World Class, and like I was in it. Uh, there was a lot of foreign bartenders because there just wasn't that local Chinese presence. Mm-hmm. So it was myself, it was Cross Yu, uh, Eddie Yang, a bunch of the guys that are still known today. Mm-hmm. But like we all competed in it, and like you guys like the veterans. Yeah, we're yeah, old school. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like you know Cross Yu and Eddie Yang and you and. Well, when Cross won, it was awesome. And we were all so yeah. proud. Cause before that, they were like letting people, like, they're like, oh, do you want to be uh, a white American guy going to represent China? And I was like, no, not at all. I'm in this competition to have fun, yeah. but right. I don't need to go to like the final stage. It has right. to be, but there just wasn't anybody really doing it at that time. Yeah. Right. Like, Cross U wouldn't win for like another two or three years afterwards, but then his technique was so good he could represent China. Mm-hmm. Like, the speaking part is a huge aspect of it. And like now Cross is just like boom on fire and Eddie's on yeah. fire and Yao yeah. is always fire. Mm-hmm. And you have these guys that are now fantastic what they do, but it took time. And now the market is here. So like you see there's competitions where not just Shanghai bartenders are winning, but like bartenders from Chengdu or Guangzhou. Yeah, yeah. Like Shivas yeah, Matsers, all the big ones. It's not just one city anymore, which is awesome. It's amazing to see. Okay, so let's circle back to the to the Yeah, let's get back to the Cosmo. Um so so what what do we think the future is for the Cosmo? Do we think it's gonna make a comeback? Past it now? Is there going to be kind of a, a sort of? Is, is there going to be kind of a sort of uh, an event where it kind of comes, you know, kind of gets back into the public, kind of, uh, zeitgeist or whatever? Like, yeah. what's what's going to happen? Well, I mean, I'm not sure about like in terms of like if there's any trend that's moving towards that. But it's like you said with the cycles, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like these things just kind of come around. They do just come back again. Exactly. Yeah. So something could happen or like it's featured in some movie or something like that mm. and all of a sudden it's going to make a comeback like that's all it takes with a lot of cocktails i think i just want to say something i, I don't think it's going to be that long before you 
we start to see it again. Yeah. And the reason for that is because, um, so, so I, I actually also work, I worked in fashion for many years. Right. And one thing that you, you learn when you work in fashion is that fashion has sort of a 20 year life cycle where um, fashion trends are around 20 years. It starts to take about 15 to 20 years before people start to kind of grasp onto things again. And we're, we're beyond the stage where, Shek, where Sex and the City has had its 20 year anniversary. So I think, and there's a lot of early 2000s fashion trends that are now coming back into the public consciousness into our wardrobes. So I think, given a couple of years, I think we might start to see people drinking cosmos again. Because it could be something, it's something that your cool art does. So you'll, yeah. so you'll, you'll start to do it. <laughs> I mean, I like to go, I, I, I agree with you, I think it's coming back in a weird, cyclical way. Like right now, cocktail bars don't always serve them. Because mm -hmm. you only have cranberry juice for one drink. Right. Like nobody's really slamming Cape Codders. That's vodka, cranberry, lime. Mm -hmm. There's no gin drinks really with cranberry. Uh, if there are, please leave them in the comments. I'm gonna try making them. Uh, but there's nothing like there's not that many things with cranberry, like a modern bar has, and it's really tough to make your own cranberry juice because it's nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's super bitter. Yeah, like that's the yeah. one thing yeah. like Ocean Spray. Like we we let them have it. Everybody's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, you just called it this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, everybody's like, yeah, good job, guys. Yeah. Fantastic job on you. Yeah. But, like, uh, like I like to order it at every bar I go to. Because for me, it's like, when I see somebody make a Cosmopolitan, it's like a chef at a new restaurant, they ask him to make an omelet. And mm -hmm. if you make the omelet well, he's going to have a better chance of getting the job. It's not a hard food dish to make. It's not a hard drink to make. But it's that coloration, it's everything. If I it's see all it, the ratios and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ID detail. Yeah. If you see, you're like, oh yeah, you've made a great cosmopolitan. I'll, I'll, I know the other stuff is good. Right. But some bars just flat out refuse to make it if they don't make the ingredients themselves, which is fair. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't think you can go to like a fine Japanese whiskey bar and ask for a Cosmo. I've tried, yeah. but I have tried. <laughs> <laughs> Drunken me has definitely requested cosmopolitans yeah. many places. Well, I think in terms of like classic cocktails, especially from what I've seen here in Shanghai, right now there's this huge trend of like kind of bespoke drinks and like mm -hmm. people putting twists on drinks and stuff. Uh, like, the, the amount of Negroni riffs now. Right, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm personally, I really like classic cocktails when I go to a bar. And I went to one recently, I can't really remember the name, um, but. Basically, I walked in and I wanted an old-fashioned, and they were like, do you want the coconut old-fashioned? Do you want this old-fashioned? Or I was like, no, just give me a regular classic old-fashioned. And they, they were kind of like taken back by that. They were like, that's strange. So, yeah. I mean, if, if they do, it would be like a twist on the mm -hmm. Cosmo, you know, mm -hmm. like where they kind of change it up a little bit. They add um, Yang Mei or something like that yeah. to it. Like, yeah. Well, Young May, I think you add to anything. It's Young May, for those that don't know, is Waxberry, which nobody else knows what Waxberry Nobody is. knows what Waxberry is. Like, I feel yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I actually very look, specific. When I, when when I got to translate Young May into English, I was like, oh, it's a Waxberry. Yeah, yeah. What, what, like, what is, what is Waxberry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think with Cosmopolitan, it's just such a colorful, interesting, vibrant drink that it should have its time. It's going to yeah. have, it's going to It's gonna be again. Yeah, a very cyclical drink again. It's going to come, come back. So, guys, because uh, we don't want to take the listeners' time too much, let's do some quick takes. Uh, any good, funny stories you have of being in a bar that doesn't involve me kicking you out of them? Uh, funny stories of being in a bar? Or just a good, a good um, bar story that you have. 
Oh, I used to be a hostess in a, in a club in London, and uh, Chris Evans, who is uh, Captain America, used to come in quite a lot. It was a strip club. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he used to come in, like, he, he never got dances, ever. But he was, it was, it was, it was the time he was filming Captain America. I think it was the first or the second one, I'm not sure which one, but they were filming in London. And whenever he'd finished filming, at the end of the day, he'd come into the strip club, and he would never get dances. He'd be on his best behaviour, talk to the girls. He'd order a beer, every, one beer, every, he'd order one Corona every single time. And uh, he'd stay, have a chat, leave, go back to his hotel. And that was basically what it's not a crazy bar story. It's just, it sounds uh, like a terrible customer, though. <laughs> he, he was super interesting to talk to because a lot of the girls were actresses. So, like, yeah. yeah, so he would kind of like give them give them tips and give them hints what and everything. This? this was back in 20, between 2010 and 2012. Oh, so okay. this would so have been he had just started taking off. And Pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. So, this was, I'm, I'm not sure if it was, I'm, I'm not a Marvel or DC, I don't know. But I, I'm not a superhero person, but, right. but yeah, Chris Evans used to, and he, he was really inconspicuous. Like he would never, he was used to come in wearing a baseball cap, a zip-up hoodie, didn't look like any kind of movie star, any, just, you could have walked straight past him. Literally, you could have done. But, uh, but yeah, but he was, he was just really good to talk to. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I do have another celebrity story though. Um, Dick Cheney's yeah. right-hand man came once. I can't remember his name, but he also, he's a massive, massive shareholder or the owner of Budweiser. <laughs> so guys, just so you know, Calvin interrupted the pod to get delivery. Delivery food? You guys, you get some food Where did you get delivery of? My my sister sent me some food. I guess that was that was her driver. Oh, that's her driver. Oh. Yeah. I was like, why are you smoking here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Dick Cheney's right hand man came in. He's he's one of the major shareholders, if not the majority shareholder of Budweiser. And he came in with like tons of like just like bodyguards, just like he was just surrounded by security, surrounded by like by bodyguards. And he spent he spent evening in the club. And he had like a whole section cordoned off. That was scary. That was like because like I was his waitress or his hostess, I should say. But that was that was pretty scary. Yeah, if anybody's yeah, a like, lot of security, that gets a little bit yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, that was, that was, we had a few rappers as well. We had um, Outcast come in. Oh wow, Outcast, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was out of all like the kind of the biggest the biggest kind of names like. Um, the, 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 the biggest money, I should say, yeah. was probably the Budweiser guy. Yeah. I will say. But, but no crazy story. I will say, like, it's disconcerting when you have a celebrity that you see in the club, whatever, and then they just don't want to drink, and they don't live up to like the reputation. Mm. Like Slash came to the Mint when I worked at Mint. And Slash was there, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna get wild tonight!" And, like, I'm not going to work tomorrow. Doesn't drink. He's there with his kid. Very, very polite. Like, I was like, wow. Good for you. I'm happy with your life choices. But, like, ah, darn it. What a story I could have had. I was like, I was going to wake up with a tattoo and, like, a, a <laughs> narrow disease. <laughs> tattoo of Slash on your arm, and he has a tattoo of Logan on his arm. Yeah. Like, I was hoping for something, like, like crazy. Because you see Slash, like, it's going to go down for real. And yeah. it's like, oh, I don't drink. I'll have a water. Like, non alcoholic. You're like, oh, get Kelvin in the room. Kevin, what do you got? 
I'm trying to, well, now that we're on this celebrity take, I'm trying to think of, like, celebrities that I've met at bars, but I can't really, drawing blanks, the only, so when I lived in Tampa, we had a lot of uh, WWE wrestlers uh, that, that lived down in Tampa, so there were, and it's not a big place, there's only so many bars you can drink at, so there was this one place, it was an Irish bar called McDidden's, that everyone went to. I don't remember the deal, but they had a crazy good deal on Fridays, and just every single person was there. Um, and um, I would see John Cena there. Um, there's this guy, Seamus. He's also a wrestler. And the only thing I remember was everyone would try to get them drunk, and literally everyone in the bar would just buy them beer after beer after beer. These guys were so Big. Yeah, they were yoked. They were so big that, like, it had no effect on them. Like, they were just straight-faced the whole time. With John Cena, you can't even see him. So. Yeah. <laughs> Kelvin, show us on the podcast where they touched you. <laughs> I would. Show I, us I, on I the podcast. I would do that on, like, uh, on a Use your words. Use, use, your, use your words. <laughs> what happened at McDumpley's? What's it called? McDumpley's? McDinn's. <laughs> Actually, I went to a... Oh, <laughs> In Dublin, there's a really good hot pot place if you want to go for McDumplings. In, in Dublin, there's a hot pot yep. place. Yep. Oh, okay. it's fantastic. And not Dublin, and it's, California. It's called, it's called McDumplings. No, I think we were calling it McDumplings. Imagine like a Jameson soup base. <laughs> oh, no, because the beef is fantastic in Ireland. Okay, guys, uh, any projects you're promoting? Anything you want to talk about before we uh, wrap it up? No, I'm good for the moment. Yeah, I'm yeah. good as well. Cool. I think... This is our inaugural one. I, I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys had some fun. Yeah, that yeah. was great. We got time. We got some cosmopolitan talk in. <laughs> hey, but that's uh, that's just the idea of guys at home too. We just start with an idea and we enjoy where the conversation yeah. takes yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the best way yeah. to do. It. Yeah. One quick thought: Did your grandma get hounded with gin and orange the rest of her life? Not for the rest of her life, but she did end up, end up marrying my grandfather. Well, because so. you know sometimes like old people, like you know, like your grandmother likes butterflies. Like mm. and then she has butterflies. You give her butterflies. Forever, like, yeah. yeah she does not do orange, but she does have a lot of like um. I don't know, I don't know how you call them. She has, she has a lot of very small ornamental houses. Ornamental, okay. Ornamental China houses. Like little yeah. Chinese houses, no, or no, made no, of China. Made, made of China, like, uh, like kind of like uh, pottery or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So she she has a lot of those. What is China? This is just always a question. Yeah, that's something <laughs> I was thinking about it's, when you just uh, said that. Plates. It's porcelain, but it's like... It's, it's just... It's a type of porcelain. It's Chinese yeah. porcelain. Yeah. Is it Chinese porcelain? Because the old ones were like the white plate with the blue on it. I, it... You're asking the wrong person, but I, I think it's just porcelain. I think it's a very fine porcelain. Okay. Well, guys, things to ponder, things to think about for the next pod. Yeah. Uh, if you know the answer, leave leave it in the comments. Yeah, leave it in the comments. Yeah. We're going to try to be anywhere we can be with our with our podcast. <laughs> uh, and then, I guess, cheers, guys. That's a, that's a, Cheers. Thank you for a first good podcast. Cheers.